This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Dyscalculia is a term referring to a wide range of difficulties with math, and it includes weaknesses in understanding the meaning of numbers and difficulty applying mathematical principles to solve problems. I'm delighted to have Karen Archer, an educational psychologist and the director of Bilibusta Share, as my guest to tell me more. Karen, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sharice. Thank you for having me. I take that dyscalculia is not just a struggle with maths. Can you define it better for me, please? Yes, sure. So that's exactly it. It really is a persistent difficulty in understanding numbers, which can lead to a diverse range of difficulties with maths. It's unexpected in relation to age, level of education and experience, and it occurs across all ages and abilities. But it really is, in terms of mathematical difficulties, it's best thought of as a continuum, not a distinct category, as they have many causal factors. So dyscalculia falls at one end of that spectrum, and it's distinguishable from other maths issues due to that severity of difficulties with number sense, which includes things such as subitizing, And I'll go into more detail on these, symbolic and non-symbolic magnitude in comparison, ordering and estimation. So it can occur singly, but it really often co-occurs with other specific learning difficulties and maths anxiety as well and medical conditions. And it refers to problems at that real like kind of number sense and arithmetic level of maths rather than challenges with algebra and trig later on in your maths development. So as I mentioned earlier, um, sabotizing, when we talk about sabotizing, it's really that ability to perceive the exact quantity of small groups of numbers without counting. So for example, if I were to roll a dice and it landed on three, for example. Over time, our brains automatically see that, see those three dots, and automatically know it it represents three. But someone with dyscalculia will have to count that every single time. So one, two, three. Um, So that's what we refer to as sabotaging. So our brains are um, able to sabotage up to generally around the number four. So if we see a set of, let's say, seven dots, the typical brain will see that and, and look, and they'll, you'll group it. You'll group it into four and then three. But someone with dyscalculia will need to, to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The other great difficulty for someone with dyscalculia is symbolic and non-symbolic magnitude. And that's really just understanding muchness, um, looking, being able to see which is bigger and which is smaller. Um, which has a larger amount or a few amounts. So you look at, at a set of dots, for example, and there are two sets. One, let's say, has 10 and the other has five. Our brains are able to look at that and see, okay, that's got more. I can see that. But someone with dyscalculia would need to count each set every time. The other thing that we refer to is ordering, and that's really the sequence of numbers and patterns and directionality. And someone with dyscalculia finds this particularly difficult, as well as estimation. So being able to look at a set and say, I I estimate that to be around 10 or 12, 
someone again with dyscalculia finds that particularly difficult and will need to to count um, the exact numbers. Well, I've spoken earlier in the month to your colleagues. We're somewhat talking about dyslexia, struggling with uh, with letters and words. Is this the same thing, but just numbers? It is very much that. And this is the thing. Dyslexia is so well-researched. We, we know so much now about it. And there are so many really successful interventions. Dyscalculia is just that much newer and that much less researched. However, it's a huge growing field in that way, in the sense of that. But it really is that. So that kind of phonological processing that you find difficult with a child with dyslexia, that number sense is where the struggle is. For someone with dyscalculia. Why is dyscalculia less known about and less spoken about? I think she's very much because I think reading was that much more apparent, I think, in the early kind of days with, with the learning to read it was seen as a huge barrier. However, what they found now is that numeracy problems have a stronger negative impact on job, job prospects than literacy problems. And this is throughout an adult's life. So I think what has come to the fore is that people realize the impact of that and that that's why there's so much research into it because and where there should be a push with government and education is that in order to have that kind of prosperous economy and society, you need children to be numerate. You need everyone to be numerate. Dyscalculia, of course, is a lifelong disorder. But when we talk about math difficulties per se, the, the importance in order to have a numerate population will have a uh, have an economy that's thriving at the end of the day. I mean, it was interesting when I spoke to your colleague about reading. She was talking about how reading is actually quite a new thing in terms mm. of you know modern evolution. The same cannot actually be said about maths literacy. Yeah. We've needed those numbers from day dot. Absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously counting it goes back <laughs> to, I'm not an expert in that field at all, but absolutely. And that is why it is absolutely vital for, um, for our education to see that kind of, that absolute relevance and the importance of teaching appropriately. And when you teach to a dyscalculic, and this is the same as a dyslexic learner, but when you teach to the dyscalculic, it's beneficial for every learner because in terms of the, the, what should the intervention for dyscalculia, it's all very multisensory. And when we talk about multisensory, it's using many resources, all your senses involved in order to understand numbers and number processing. So what we're seeing is that a lot of educators are taking away those, the tangible resources too early on. So we are seeing that from the age of six, if you can actually believe it, that's when they're seeing a maths anxiety starting to kick in. And they're relating that very much to educators and schools not allowing children to use the resources, so your tangible multisensory resources in the classroom, even to the point of children hiding their hands under their desk when they want to use their fingers because they feel that they're using their fingers and their hands to count, that they're not as proficient in maths. And what we're trying to say is, Allow every child, every resource, everything that they need to, their fingers, their toes to count because it actually aids in the number processing and the development of maths and number concepts of the brain. You mentioned earlier, Karen, that dyscalculia is not found in isolation. How do you identify it and what are the other problems associated with it? 
We have got screeners and there are assessments available. So your educational psychologists and your remedial specialists who are trained with assessments can identify children with dyscalculia. I mean, there, there are some fantastic resources online as well. Um, screeners, basic screeners, and the screeners really do look at looking at sets of numbers and being able to sabotage and make all magnitude things I spoke about earlier. But that is the assessment process. But there is a very small population of people that are pure dyscalculics. It does occur with other difficulties such as dyspraxia, dyslexia, ADHD. So those are kind of your co-occurring difficulties. But a pure dyscalculic, there are very few. I think it's between something like 3 to 5% of the population that are actually diagnosed with dyscalculia. And how do you help them, Karen? So, again, it's going back. So, first of all, an early diagnosis is, is definitely the most beneficial. So, if you suspect your child or child in your class is dyscalculic, see a psychologist, an educational psychologist, speak to the teachers and the team to see what their experience is. But but have them assessed. If you can get that, that diagnosis early on, then the child has a much greater chance of thriving within their school environment because they, they understand that actually this is something that their brain finds very hard to process. Um, and then the teaching environment needs to, to change for that child where it is multisensory. There's a lot of play. There's a lot of talk. There's extra time. A lot of visual aids are available, a lot of one-on-one. As the child develops, there are the options in South Africa of accommodations. So a child can be ex- exempt from maths if that's the route they want to take. A dyscalculic will, it's a lifelong difficulty. So an exemption from maths will help. Taking maths literacy will also help, but having accommodations such as a calculator as well is essential for a, a learner with dyscalculia because things like multiplication and facts and time are really, really difficult to learn. Karen, if anybody would like to find out more, learn more, what should they do? Sure, so welcome to contact us at Villa Vista. We do have some specialists that are able to give advice on this and point parents and teachers in the direction that they need in order to support themselves as parents because it's difficult. Any child with a learning difficulty or learning disorder, it's hard. So the parent needs support, but the child needs support. And so they're welcome to contact us at bellavista.org.za and they can, they can go onto our website on the share website. And we've got a lot of resources there and content that points, that gives you a lot more understanding of what dyscalculia is in a friendly environment. <laughs> I've not actually heard about it, although Probably everybody feels at some level they probably do suffer from dyscalculia. Um, <laughs> certainly, given a lot of numbers, may confuse many of us. But thank you very much for explaining it to me and really well done with the work that Bella Vista Share does in, in providing information education. I've enjoyed the three weeks that we've uh, focused on different learning disabilities. I've learned a lot. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sharice. That was Karen Archer, an educational psychologist and the director of Bellavista Share.